0: Psalm fifty-eight of the Treasury of David. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne. The Treasury of David, Volume Three by Charles Spurgeon. Psalm fifty-eight, to the chief musician. Although David had his own case in his mind's eye, yet he wrote not as a private person, but as an inspired prophet. And therefore his song is presented for public and perpetual use to the appointed guardian of the temple psalmody al tashiht the wicked are here judged and condemned but over the godly the sacred destroy not is solemnly pronounced Ich-tum of david this is the fourth of the psalms of the golden secret and the second of the destroy nots these names if they serve for nothing else may be useful to aid the memory men give names to their horses jewels and other valuables and these names are meant not so much to describe as to distinguish them and in some cases to set forth the owner's high esteem of his treasure after the same fashion the oriental poet gave a title to the song he loved and so aided his memory and expressed his estimation of the strain we are not always to look for a meaning in these superscriptions but to treat them as we would titles of poems or the names of tunes Division. The ungodly enemy is accursed. Verses 1 to 5. Judgment is sought from the judge. Verses 6 to 8. And seen in prophetic vision as already executed. Verses 9 to 11. Exposition. Verses 1 to 5. Do ye indeed speak righteousness, O congregation? Do ye judge uprightly, O ye sons of men? Yea, in heart ye work wickedness, ye weigh the violence of your hands in the earth the wicked are estranged from the womb they go astray as soon as they be born speaking lies their poison is like the poison of a serpent they are like the deaf adder that stoppeth her ear which will not hearken to the voice of charmers charming never so wisely verse one do ye indeed speak righteousness o congregation the enemies of david were a numerous and united band and because they so unanimously condemned the persecuted one they were apt to take it for granted that their verdict was a right one what everybody says must be true is a lying proverb based upon the presumption which comes of large combinations have we not all agreed to hound the man to the death and who dare hint that so many great ones can be mistaken yet the persecuted one lays the axe at the root by requiring his judges to answer the question whether or not they were acting according to justice it were well if men would sometimes pause and candidly consider this some of those who surrounded saul were rather passive than active persecutors they held their tongues when the object of royal hate was slandered in the original this first sentence appears to be addressed to them and they are asked to justify their silence silence gives consent he who refrains from defending the right is himself an accomplice in the wrong do ye judge uprightly o ye sons of men ye too are only men though dressed in a little brief authority your office for men and your relation to men both bind you to rectitude but have ye remembered this have ye not put aside all truth when ye have condemned the godly and united in seeking the overthrow of the innocent yet in doing this be not too sure of success for ye are only the sons of men and there is a god who can and will reverse your verdicts verse two yea in heart ye work wickedness deep down in your very souls ye hold a rehearsal of the injustice ye intend to practise and when your opportunity arrives ye wreak vengeance with gusto your hearts are in your wicked work and your hands are therefore ready enough those very men who sat as judges and pretended to so much indignation at the faults imputed to their victim were in their hearts perpetrating all manner of evil ye weigh the violence of your hands in the earth they were deliberate sinners cold calculating villains as righteous judges ponder the law balance the evidence and weigh the case so the malicious dispense injustice with malice aforethought in cold blood note in this verse that the men described sinned with heart and hand privately in their heart publicly in the earth they worked and they weighed they were active and yet deliberate see what a generation saints have to deal with such were the foes of our lord a generation of vipers an evil and adulterous generation they sought to kill him because he was righteousness itself yet they masked their hatred to his goodness by charging him with sin verse three the wicked are estranged from the womb it is small wonder that some men persecute the righteous seed of the woman since all of them are the serpent's brood and enmity is set between them no sooner born than alienated from god what a condition to be found in do we so early leave the right track do we at the same moment begin to be men and commence to be sinners they go astray as soon as they are born speaking lies every observer may see how very soon infants act lies before they can speak they practice little deceptive arts this is especially the case in those who grow up to be adepts in slander they begin their evil trade early and there is no marvel that they become adepts in it he who starts early in the morning will go far before night to be untruthful is one of the surest proofs of a fallen state and since falsehood is universal so also is human depravity Verse four their poison is like the poison of a serpent is man also a poisonous reptile yes and his venom is even as that of a serpent the viper has but death for the body in his fangs but unregenerate man carries poison under his tongue destructive to the nobler nature they are like the death adder that stoppeth her ear while speaking of serpents the psalmist remembers that many of them have been conquered by the charmer's art, but men such as he had to deal with no art could tame or restrain. Therefore he likens them to a serpent less susceptible than others to the charmer's music, and says that they refused to hear reason, even as the adder shuts her ear to those incantations which fascinate other reptiles. Man, in his natural corruption, appears to have all the ill points of a serpent without its excellencies. O sin, what hast thou done? verse five which will not hearken to the voice of charmers charming never so wisely ungodly men are not to be won to write by arguments the most logical or appeals the most pathetic try all your arts ye preachers of the word lay yourselves out to meet the prejudices and tastes of sinners and ye shall have to cry who hath believed our report it is not in your music but in the sinner's ear that the cause of failure lies AND IT IS ONLY THE POWER OF GOD THAT CAN REMOVE IT. YOU CAN CALL SPIRITS FROM THE VASTY DEEP, BUT WILL THEY COME WHEN YOU DO CALL FOR THEM? NO, WE CALL AND CALL AND CALL IN VAIN TILL THE ARM OF THE LORD IS REVEALED. THIS IS AT ONCE THE SINNER'S guilt AND DANGER. HE OUGHT TO HEAR, BUT WILL NOT, AND BECAUSE HE WILL NOT HEAR, HE CANNOT ESCAPE THE DAMNATION OF HELL. Verses six to eight. Break their teeth, O God, in their mouth. Break out the great teeth of the young lions, O Lord. Let them melt away as waters which run continually. When he bendeth his bow to shoot his arrows, let them be as cut in pieces. As a snail which melteth, let every one of them pass away. Like the untimely birth of a woman, that they may not see the sun. Verse six. Break their teeth, O God, in their mouth. If they have no capacity for good, at least deprive them of their ability for evil. Treat them as the snake-charmers do their serpents, extract their fangs, break their teeth. The Lord can do this, and He will. He will not suffer the malice of the wicked to triumph. He will deal them such a blow as shall disable them from mischief. Break out the great teeth of the young lions, O Lord as if one brute creature had not enough of evil in it to complete the emblem of ungodly nature another specimen of ferre nature is fetched in for fierce cruelty the wicked are likened to young lions monsters in the prime of their vigour and the fury of their lustiness and it is asked that their grinders may be smashed in broken off or dashed out that the creatures may henceforth be harmless one can well understand how the banished son of Jesse, while poisoned by the venomous slander of his foes and worried by their cruel power, should appeal to heaven for a speedy and complete riddance from his enemies. Verse 7 Let them melt away as waters which run continually. Like mountain torrents dried up by the summer heats, let them disappear, or like running streams whose waters are swiftly gone, so let them pass away or like water spilt, which none can find again, so let them vanish out of existence. Be gone, ye foul streams. The sooner ye are forgotten, the better for the universe. When he bendeth his bow to shoot his arrows, let them be as cut in pieces. When the Lord goes forth to war, let his judgments so tell upon these persecutors that they may be utterly cut in pieces as a mark shattered by many shafts. Or perhaps the meaning is, when the ungodly man marches to the conflict let his arrows and his bow drop into fragments the string cut the bow snapped the arrows headless the points blunted so that the boastful warrior may not have wherewithal to hurt the object of his enmity in either sense the prayer of the psalm has often become fact and will again be fulfilled as often as need arises verse eight as a snail which melteth let every one of them pass away. As the snail makes its own way by its slime, and so dissolves as it goes, or as its shell is often found empty, as though the inhabitant had melted away, so shall the malicious eat out their own strength while they proceed upon their malevolent designs, and shall themselves disappear. To destroy himself by envy and chagrin is the portion of the ill-disposed. Like the untimely birth of a woman, that they may not see the sun. Solemn is this curse, but how surely does it fall on many graceless wretches. They are as if they had never been, their characters shapeless, hideous, revolting. They are fitter to be hidden away in an unknown grave than to be reckoned among men. Their life comes never to ripeness. Their aims are abortive. Their only achievement is to have brought misery to others and horror to themselves. Such men as Herod, judas alva bonner had it not been better for them if they had never been born better for the mothers who bore them better for the lands they cursed better for the earth in which their putrid carcasses are hidden from the sun every unregenerate man is an abortion he misses the true form of god-made manhood he corrupts in the darkness of sin he never sees or shall see the light of god in purity in heaven VERSES 9-11 to 11. Before your pots can feel the thorns, he shall take them away as with a whirlwind, both living and in his wrath. The righteous shall rejoice when he seeth the vengeance, he shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. So that a man shall say, Verily there is a reward for the righteous, verily he is a God that judgeth the earth. Verse 9 Before your pots can feel the thorns, so sudden is the overthrow of the wicked, so great a failure is their life, that they never see joy. Their pot is put upon the hook to prepare a feast of joy, and the fuel is placed beneath. But before the thorns are lit, before any heat can be brought to bear upon the pot, yea, even as soon as the fuel has touched the cooking vessel, a storm comes up and sweeps all away. The pot is overturned, the fuel is scattered far and wide. Perhaps the figure may suppose the thorns, which are the fuel to be kindled and then the flame is so rapid that before any heat can be produced the fire is out the meat remains raw the man is disappointed his work is altogether a failure he shall take them away as with a whirlwind cook fire pot meat and all disappeared once whirled away to destruction both living and in his wrath in the very midst of the man's life and in the fury of his rage against the righteous the persecutor is overwhelmed with a tornado his designs are baffled his contrivances defeated and himself destroyed the passage is difficult but this is probably its meaning and a very terrible one it is the malicious wretch puts on his great seething pot he gathers his fuel he means to play the cannibal with the godly but he reckons without his host or rather without the lord of hosts and the unexpected tempest removes all traces of him and his fire and his feast and that in a moment verse ten the righteous shall rejoice when he seeth the vengeance he will have no hand in meeting it out neither will he rejoice in the spirit of revenge but his righteous soul shall acquiesce in the judgments of god and he shall rejoice to see justice triumphant there is nothing in scripture of that sympathy with god's enemies which modern traitors are so fond of parading as the finest species of benevolence. We shall say at the last, Amen to the condemnation of the wicked, and feel no disposition to question the ways of God with the impenitent. Remember how John, the loving disciple, puts it, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation, and glory, and honor, and power unto the Lord our God for true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand, and again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up for ever and ever. He shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. He shall triumph over them. They shall be so utterly vanquished that their overthrow shall be final and fatal, and his deliverance complete and crowning. THE DAMNATION OF SINNERS SHALL NOT MAR THE HAPPINESS OF SAINTS. VERSE 11 SO THAT A MAN SHALL SAY EVERY MAN, HOWEVER IGNORANT, SHALL BE COMPELLED TO SAY, VERILY, INDEED, ASSUREDLY. THERE IS A REWARD FOR THE RIGHTEOUS. IF NOTHING ELSE BE TRUE, THIS IS. THE GODLY ARE NOT AFTER ALL FORSAKEN AND GIVEN OVER TO THEIR ENEMIES. THE wicked ARE NOT TO HAVE THE BEST OF IT. Truth and goodness are recompensed in the long run. Verily, he is a God that judgeth in the earth. All men shall be forced by the sight of the final judgment to see that there is a God and that he is the righteous ruler of the universe. Two things will come out clearly after all. There is a God and there is a reward for the righteous. Time will remove doubts, solve difficulties and reveal secrets. Meanwhile, faith's foreseeing eye discerns the truth even now and is glad thereat. End of Psalm 58